All right, First Chronicles chapter 16 tonight. We're going to look at a psalm that David wrote, um, giving thanks to God and praise to God and for, for getting the Ark of the Covenant there. But there's, uh, there's a lot more to, to this psalm uh, than just that. So as we get into it, we're going to see as David uh, gives the assembly a feast. He's going to have a barbecue for him here. So we start off in verse 1. It says, <clears throat> So they brought the ark of God and set it in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. Then they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before God. And when David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. Then he distributed to everyone of Israel, both man and women, to everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake of raisins. So they were having a big feast here. And we look at this, you, you know David had a heart for wanting to get a place of God, for God to live, or a dwelling place for God. And we look in, in Psalms, you don't have to turn there, but in Psalms uh, 132, four and, verses 4 and 5, he says, I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids. Until I, have, until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. So it was his heart's desire to give the Lord a, a place uh, to dwell, to be able to live with his people, to build that temple that Solomon ends up building. So when God finally tells him that, hey, you're not going to be the one to build it, he started making provisions for it, though. So he, he, he had that heart and that yearning to where he would lose sleep over it. And I wonder if we lose sleep over the things of God. Have you? Just ask yourself that. Don't raise your hand, but just ask yourself that. Do I or have I ever lost sleep over the things of God? Have I lost sleep over, over the things that God yearns for and, and loves? And, and, and have, I, have I cried over God at night because I couldn't sleep? I know there's times I haven't slept, and I probably should get up and pray when I Whenever it's 3, 4 o'clock in the morning and I can't sleep, it's probably a good time to get up and pray. The Lord may be wanting to put something on our hearts and minds, and maybe we should be obedient to that. But David would not let any kind of sleep come to his eyes until he was able to figure out and, and get that dwelling place for God. So he had a heart after God in that. And then we see that they went to the burnt offerings, something that wasn't done the first time they tried to bring the ark into Jerusalem was to follow the burnt offerings of uh, and also the peace offerings to bring that ark in. They, they failed to do that the first time, but, but David is learning from these mistakes and learning from the growing pains that he's going to offer up the burnt offerings of consecration and the, the peace offerings of fellowship before the Lord. And that's a rightful thing to do. And we look at the sacrifices that they make, and we think of the sacrifice that Christ made for us. And you know, this, is, this is sacrifices given up to the Lord. Christ came and made a sacrifice for us and our sins, and these sacrifices were to forgive the sins of Israel. So we see Christ also making that sacrifice, being that sacrifice for our sins as well, and we get the benefit from that sacrifice, and we thank him for that. And we see David in a minute as we're getting into the psalm that he's going to talk about, thanking the Lord for his salvation. Well, what a great celebration. They're sitting here about to eat some barbecue. They had the burnt offerings. Everyone's going to get their meat. Everyone's going to get their bread, and they're going to have a good time. And just think about the marriage supper of the Lamb that we're going to celebrate with him when we get into his presence and when it's our time uh, to go up with him. 
And what a celebration. That celebration is going to be a celebration to have. Better than any celebration we can have here on earth. It's when we're celebrating our Lord in heaven with him at that supper. In verse 6 it says, And he appointed some of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord, to commemorate, to uh, thank, and to praise the Lord God of Israel. Asaph the chief, and next to him Zechariah, then Jael, Shemaramoth, Jehel, uh, Mattathiah, Eliab, Benaiah, and Obed-Edom. Jael with string instruments and harps, uh, but Asaph with music with cymbals. Benaniah and Jehazel, the priests, regularly blew the trumpet before the Ark of the Covenant of God. So here we see these Levites being appointed to their duties. And they were going to they were going to blow the, the horns before God. They were going to hit the cymbals before before the Lord and, and before the ark. And they were going to worship him. And we, this has been a continuous thing that David liked to implement with the nation of Israel. That this wasn't just a one time thing that they were going to come in and worship before the ark and give praise and thanks before the ark. But this was going to be an ongoing thing. It's, and we got to think about it in our own time. You know, we're not here to worship just on a Wednesday or a Sunday. But we should be giving thanks and worship and praise before the Lord every day. When we wake up and when we go to sleep at night, it should be a constant thing to have the Lord in our mind. Constantly thanking him, constantly praying to him. Being in an attitude of prayer continually. And, and we see David setting up this uh, form of worship as, as, as the ark is being brought in. This will be something that would continue for, for quite a while in Israel. But we know as we went through the book of First and Second Kings, it didn't last. Some of the things of, of God were definitely forgotten by some of those kings. But in, the Levit- in this Levitical appointments for, the, for that day and beyond, David selected some of uh, the Levites to focus in commemorating the great things that God had did. And let's think about ways that we can remember what God has done for us. Spurgeon, in his sermon on the recorders, noted several ways that we can help ourselves remember the great things of God. And one of them was that we would actually keep a record of the things of God, keep a prayer journal. When we have requests of God and we, and we pray, let's write them down. And, and, you know, I'm preaching to the choir because I, I need to do it myself to where we write down these prayer requests. And then whenever we see God answer that prayer request, we can write it down and say, hey, this is the answer. And we can see God working as we take keep a journal or some kind of record of it. Be sure to praise God thoroughly whenever you receive that blessing or you receive his goodness. You know, sometimes things happen in our life, we may not think of it as God acting, but when we know God has acted on our behalf, let's stop and, and praise him and thank him right there. Let's not just not move on with our day, but let's thank God right there. Set apart time to meditate on the good things of God. Whenever you have your quiet time and you go into your closet, just sit and think about the good that God has done for you. I'm pretty sure we all have a laundry list of things that God has done for us. And we can go back and think about that, and that builds our faith back up and gets us right before God again to be able to to go on another day because we know God is working on our behalf. How about talking about his mercies often to other people? Just sharing with what God has done. Share with those who are lost. Guess what God did for me today? Guess what God can do for you 
and share that goodness and share the mercy of God with others. Also using everything around us to remind us of God's goodness. We look at the, nat- the nature we have here. There's a lot of beauty that God has, has put before our eyes. Whether it's Hawaii, where we came back in June, or even here in Louisiana. You go through some of these wooded areas, it's just beautiful. And God has set that up to be able to, to show his goodness. Or how about a newborn baby? We talked about two babies are going to be born soon. Just seeing a newborn come into this world and how, how awesome that is and how, what a blessing it is. And God will use these things to bless us and to show his goodness to us. So let's, let's remember and continuously be praising him for the good things he's done for us. In verse 7, it says, On the day David first delivered the psalm into the hand of Asaph and his brethren to thank the Lord. So here we see David giving this song over to Asaph to perform this song before the people, before Israel. And uh, this song is actually taken from several psalms within the Bible. Verses 8 through 22 is from Psalms uh, 105. We got verses 23 to 33 comes from Psalms 96. And then verses 34 through 36 come from parts of Psalms 106. So this is kind of a, a, uh, a gathering up of these songs to put them together to be able to worship. God. But now let's get into the psalm. In verses 8 through 13, it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing to him, sing to him, sing psalms to him. Talk of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face evermore. Remember his marvelous works, which he has done, his wonders and the judgment of his mouth. O seed of Israel, his servant, you children of Jacob, his chosen ones. So we see here, starting off with giving thanks to the Lord. And rightfully so. We should start off our prayers and our praise with giving thanks to the Lord, because he's worthy of our thanksgiving. For everything he's done for us. He is worthy of that. And we see David, David here. He was known as the psalmist of Israel. And, and I've said it before. He's a warrior poet. He was a man's man. He was a warrior. He went out and he conquered uh, for the Lord. But he also had that side of him that was sensitive to the, to the, to the needs of God. And sensitive to who God was. And he would, he would worship him. We have a book full of psalms that he wrote. Just showing how in tune he was with the Lord and his, his worship of God. And we need to enjoy the good things. We need, we, all the good that, that we enjoy comes from God. All the good comes from God. And we need to not forget that. And here in this, ver- in this uh, couple verses, we see David lists uh, a remarkable number of ways one can praise God. And number one, obviously, is to give him thanks. In all that we do, we need to give him thanks. And number two is to call upon him, to pray. Call upon the Lord. I don't know about you, but if you have children and your children call upon you for something, that is a wonderful feeling when they need you. So the Lord loves it whenever we call upon him and we need him. Make him known. Tell others of the goodness of God. Go out and be a witness to God. Tell others of who he is and what he has done for you and what he can do for your friends. Sing them praise. I can't sing. I can't 
carry a tune in the bucket, but I'll still sing because he said what? Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Sing praises to him. I was not blessed with singing. Talk about God. Talk about God to yourself. Talk about God to others. Talk about God. Just talk about God. Give glory to him because he's worthy of all the glory. Not us, him. Give him the glory. Seek him in all that you do. Everything you do, seek him. And just remember all the good that he has done for us. Constant reminder of that. F.D. Meyer said in his uh, talk of all his wondrous works, he said, we do, not take, we do not talk sufficiently about God. Why it is so, we may, not, uh, we may not easily explain. But there seems to be too great resistance among Christians, people about the best things. We talk about sermons, details of worship and church organization, or the latest uh, phase of scripture criticism. We discuss men, methods, and churches But our talk in the home and in the gathering of Christians for social purposes is too seldom about the wonderful works of God. Better to speak less and to talk more of him. I know we fellowship here on Sundays and often we'll go off to our own places of of living or even here in the foyer we'll go to talk. And it's not talking about God and his goodness. We may talk about, you know, things during the week. We may talk about maybe different... um, things that we may like or have in common, but we need to talk more about God. We need to talk more about his goodness. We need to talk about more of what he is doing and what he has done in our lives. And uh, it's the same thing with me at work, the same thing at you, maybe at your workplace or with your families. Let's talk about God more. Let's talk about more about what he has done because he has done so much for us. And I think we lack that sometimes. And I think we may, we may get a little nervous and a little scared sometimes to be able to to talk to someone about God and just speak about who he is. You know, you see a perfect stranger and the Holy Spirit's telling you to go talk to that person. Sometimes we might want to kind of hold him at a distance. But let's listen to God. If he's wanting us to talk about him, let's talk about him. Verse 14 through 19, it says, He is the Lord our God. His judgments, uh, judgments are in all the earth. Remember his covenant forever. The word which he commanded for the thousand generations, the covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac and confirmed it to Jacob for, for a statue. In Israel for the everlasting covenant, saying, To you I will give the land of Canaan as the allotment of your inheritance. When you were few in number, indeed very few, and strangers in it. So David will soon begin to sing about the special relationship between the Lord and his covenant people. And if you notice, the Lord is all about covenants. He has covenants throughout the Bible. And we see here when he gave a covenant with Abraham, dealing with the land, the nation, and the messianic blessing that he would have in Genesis. God also made covenant with, uh, with the nation of Israel regarding the law, sacrifices, and the choice of blessing and cursing. In the in, uh, book of Exodus, then we see God made a covenant with David regarding a specific lineage of the Messiah in Second Samuel. And then the covenant I really love, God made a covenant with all who would believe in his son. The new covenant through Jesus Christ. The covenant that saves me and you. 
So he is all about covenants, and he's speaking to his people here about the covenants that he made with their forefathers and how that land that they are on right now belongs to them. And we got to think in the book of, of Chronicles, this is being written to the people who are coming back out of exile. So this is encouragement. This is, this is, this is motivation for the people coming back, showing that this land that we're moving back to is given to us by God way back when Abraham made that covenant with God. So now these people are, are, are motivated and their faith is going to get built up knowing that this is given to us by God. Let's go back and claim it and make it, make it ours once again. In verses 20 through 22, it says, When they went from one nation to another and from one kingdom to another people, he permitted no man to do them wrong. Yes, he rebuked kings for their sakes saying, do not touch my anointed ones, and do my prophets no harm. Thinking about this verse, and we're looking at the Bible, and going through First and Second Kings, and going through uh, Genesis as we're going through on Sunday, and we think about what do you mean God has protected them? How many of these people have died or been hurt because of what you know, God may have allowed them to go through? And the, and, the, and the trials and tribulation that the nation of Israel went through. And we think of the individual stories. But we've got to realize God is not talking necessarily about individual. He's talking about Israel as a whole. And God is not going to let Israel drown. God is not going to let Israel go away and fade into history. We know that he has an ultimate plan for Israel. We know that in, in, in Revelation, when the, in the end times come, that he's going to be dealing with his people again. And he's going to bring protection upon them just like he has brought protection for them throughout the, book, uh, throughout the Bible. And then the last part of it, verse 22, he says, Do not touch my anointed ones. How many pastors have misused that verse? You don't touch God's anointed. But that's not what they're talking about at all. That's not what they're talking about. He's talking about God's people, God's covenant people, and his protection that he's going to give to them. That we're not to touch those who are, who are the covenant people of God. And ultimately, God's protection is with them. And those who did touch God's covenant people, at some point, felt God's wrath. And ultimately, in the end, they will feel the wrath of God for those who do not turn towards him. All right, in verse 23 through 30, it says, Sing to the Lord all the earth. Proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his wonders among all peoples. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is also to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the, of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and gladness are in his place. Give to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. O worship, uh, o worship the Lord in the beauty of, of holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. The world also is firmly established. It shall not be moved. It says God's covenant people have a special responsibility to praise him. But all the earth should proclaim his good news. Because he is the creator of it all. And it says... It is only good news if it is his salvation. 
It says that proclaim the good news of his salvation. Because guess what? Our salvation or our attempt at salvation is no good. We can't save ourselves. We can't. I mean, I know we've all tried before and probably failed very miserably. But God's salvation is true. God's salvation is everlasting. Our attempt at salvation is futile. So let's, let's praise and thank God for his salvation. I needed salvation to save me. Y'all needed his salvation to save y'all. We can't do it on our own, in our own power, and our own strength. So let's, let's proclaim that to everybody. Let's tell everybody about God's salvation. Because his is a salvation that is eternal, not our own, not our own flesh. It says, declare his glory among the nations. David is back. To, uh, to a particular address to the people of God, imploring them to tell everyone of his greatness. Go out and make disciples. Go out and be a witness to this dark and, and dying world. Tell people of the goodness of God. We need to share the goodness of God with this world. They're not going to hear it from nobody else. They're going to hear it from us. We're the mouthpiece and we're the feet of God. We have to go out and tell the people. So let's, let's not neglect that. That's, that's one of our, our duties as Christians is to go out and share the gospel with this world. And he's saying here that we need to go out and share the love of God. And his superiority over all gods. It says here, for all the gods of the peoples are idols. Our God is a living God. Our God is a creator. Our God created the wood that they decided to make their idols out of. So our God rules and reigns in this universe. And then it says, give to the Lord the glory and strength. This is not in the sense of giving him something, because he has it all anyway. This is not something that, that, that we need to give him. He has it, but it's showing recognition that we need to give him glory. Give him our strength. Give him everything that we have, our whole being, we need to give over to him. Because he is a good and grateful God. Then we have worship the Lord in the beauty and holiness. God's holiness. His set-apartness. Because God is set apart above all gods. God is set apart from us. Just like we are to be holy and set apart. He makes us holy and set apart. So let's, let's praise him in his beauty and his holiness. And in verse 31, it says, Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad, and let them say among the nations, The Lord reigns. Let the sea roar in all its fullness. Let the field rejoice in all that is in it. Then the trees of the woods shall rejoice before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. Let the heavens and the earth rejoice. No one is within, with, with any kind of excuse of knowing who God is. Let's turn to Romans 1. Verses 19 through Starting with verse 19, it says, Because 
what may be known of God is manifested in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish uh, hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. Verse 20, I think sums this up. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. There is no excuse that anyone could give God on Judgment Day on why they did not give their life to Christ. And I know they often speak about, well, what about the guy in the Amazon or the guy way up in the mountains that never heard? Creation cries out who God is. There's no excuse. This is an all-powerful and mighty God that we serve. If he wants someone saved, he will go out and reach out and touch that person's heart and make himself known. No one has an excuse to give God on that day when we face him. No one. Even creation itself cries out to it. It says the creation itself tells us that God of infinite wisdom, power, and order. It is logical that this God reigns and will judge the earth, understanding that his order and power and wisdom or express morally as well as materially. I don't understand how someone can walk outside and see the sights we have here with the trees. You look at the human body even, just the way it's made up and the way it functions, and tell me there's not a God and not a creator. You're a fool if you say otherwise. God will make himself known one way or the other. People just willingly decide to be blind. And not follow. In verse 34. Is that where we're at? Yep, verse 34. says, uh, these heads. Is that where we're at? I think I'm in the wrong page. Hold on. Lost my space. Here we go. All right, verse 34. says, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his mercies endure forever. And say, save us, O God, of our salvation. Gather us together and deliver us from the Gentiles to give thanks to your holy name, to triumph in your praise. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. And all the people said, Amen, and praise the Lord. So this here is another demonstration that the author chose to include the Psalm of David in this account of the ark coming to Jerusalem. These words of David would have special re- uh, relevance to this people coming back from exile. Because in other, uh, in Samuel stuff, when they show that the ark is coming back, they don't necessarily mention these Psalms. But in, Chron- in Chronicles, it's needed because these people are coming back from exile. They're needing to know who they are as a people. They're needing to know what belongs to them. 
and uh, the, the author of, the, of Chronicles put that in there so that they know that they serve a God that is good, a God of worthy of their praise, a God that gives them victory, and God that delivers them from their oppressors. And then it said, all the people said, amen. Can you imagine? It's probably such a big crowd and all of them saying amen together. How great that would sound. They probably all sung, they may have all sung this song together too. Just in one voice. That would have been been awesome to witness and and to see. In verse 37 it says, so he left, left Asaph as his, and his brothers there before the Ark of the Covenant and the Lord to minister before uh, the Ark regularly as every day's work required. And Obed-Edom and his 68 brethren, including Obed-Edom, the son of Judathan, and Hosa to be gatekeepers. And Zadak the priest and his brethren, the priest, before the tabernacle of the Lord at the high place that was at Gibeon, to offer burnt offerings to the Lord on the altar of burnt offering, regularly morning and evening, and to do according to all that was written in the law of the Lord, which he commanded Israel. And with that, Haman and Judathan, and the rest of uh, who were chosen, who were designated to name, uh, designated by name to give thanks to the Lord, because his mercy endures forever. And with, the, and with them, Haman and Judathan, to sound aloud with trumpets and cymbals and the uh, musical instruments of God. Now the sons of Judathan were gatekeepers. Then all the people deported, every man to his house. David returned to bless his house. So we see even in Gibeon, they were sacrificing and giving praise and glory to God. They're doing this in Jerusalem as well. And this was an ongoing thing for the time of David. They, they needed day and night, it says, that they were there before the Lord, ministering to them. And I just thank God that he, he has given us the privilege to be able to worship before him and to praise him and the opportunity. And we need to be thankful here in America that we're able to do that freely. We talked about those in Hong Kong. We talked about the persecuted church who are not able to do it out in the open and freely. And I hate to say it, but one day I think that's coming here to America. So we better enjoy it while we can and pray for those who are being persecuted around the world who can't freely worship and praise God that they got to go underground to do this. That's why it's so important to store God's word inside your heart and to meditate on it day and night. But when that time does come, and I'm not saying if, when it comes, we'll have his heart written, his word written on our hearts, and we'll be able to fellowship with him in the spirit and be able to worship him in the spirit. Amen. Father, we thank you for this uh, word tonight, and that we just we just thank you for the privilege to be able to worship you and to bring you praise and glory, Father, because you are such an awesome God that you would even want to speak to us and fellowship with us. Lord, it amazes me. But I thank you for this privilege, Father. I thank you that we're able to open your word, Lord, and just to be able to read about you and all you have done and all you will do, Father. And we just give you glory and we thank you for that. Uh, I pray for a blessing over everyone that is here tonight. I pray for a blessing over those who are we're not able to attend, Lord. I pray that you would just be with them and that you would give us traveling mercies on our way home. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.